Welcome to the Dream Home Movement. This is your weekly dose of Dream Home Inspiration, bringing you clever hacks and tips from the very best local experts with your hosts, Tara and Joe. Welcome to the Dream Home Movement. It's Tara here from Building Dreams and I'm joined by my beautiful co-host Joe Violetta from Violetta Finance. Hi Joe. Hi, that's a that's a lovely introduction. <laughs> Thank you very much. And I we, I am in purple, so it must be my color. It absolutely is. There's a really good reason that we are in purple today and it is International Women's Day today. It is. So that's the color of International Women's Day. To celebrate this, we have a all-female cast today. If Woo-hoo. you do you call it cast and radio, we do now. Yes, we do. It's <laughs> so official. It's official. So we have the fabulous Joe Johnson from Content Coach, and we also have Therese O'Neill from Alpha Broking. Hello, ladies. Hello. Hello. Lovely to be here. It's great <laughs> to be here. Therese O'Neill from Alpha Broker Mentoring has kindly agreed to do our finance segment for us today. And- I am super grateful to be here, Joe, and really honoured that Carl dobbed me in to <laughs> fill in for him on International Women's Day. Good on you, Carl, and good on you, Therese. Thank you. So the question that I have for you today about finance is we'll be talking about converting a, a space in our home into a beautiful workspace or actually adding on a separate dwelling to our property as a workspace. We're going to talk to Jo Johnson about her beautiful writer's studio and we're going to discover I the story. I can't wait to hear I about know. that, Jo. There's some photos on our Facebook page and Instagram, which are just gorgeous. And we've even got in our Instagram story, and I'll pop it as a highlight in case you miss it when it was on there live. We've got before and afters, which Jo oh, uh, very generously after. Yeah, yeah. shared with us. But you you can't convert you can't create a beautiful workspace in your home for fifty dollars no it, it 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 costs money so how would we go about organizing if we haven't got the money saved up Therese, how would we go about organizing finance to create a beautiful workspace either in or as a separate dwelling with our home well the answer to that joe is going to fall into two parts okay so If converting a space into a workspace inside your home is not going to require any structural changes, so any changes to the roof line, anything that you're going to need local council approval for, that's going to be a lot simpler to do. So a lot of people then elect because they want to fund that themselves. You can do, and I'm sure you have, Joe. you can negotiate with tradesmen, you can negotiate with supplies. If you're actually controlling the the cash and, and organizing the job yourself. So you can, you've got some freedom um, to some degree to do that if you're not structurally changing your house. Okay. If you've got enough equity in your home, you can elect to refinance the mortgage that you have and maybe take out 50, 80, $40,000, whatever it is, that those funds get deposited into your bank account and then you can control the disbursement of funds and it gives you some power to negotiate on a cash basis. Do you, how would you go about doing that? If you were doing that at the moment, and can I say, with most people, if you've had a home loan for more than three years, mm. can I say this, Joe? you're probably being stiffed on the rates. Really likely to find mm. that you can refinance your home loan to another lender at the moment and will most likely save yourself at least 1%. Which is huge. Massive. Mm. So if you were to borrow fifty or $60,000, refinance everything at a percentage point lower than what you've got now, 
over a 25 to 30 year loan term, you're probably not going to be paying any more than you're currently paying. So you get your $50,000, $60,000, you control everything with the cash, you're going to add value to your property, and you'll probably be paying no more. Sometimes you might even be paying less than what you're paying now. In your monthly repayment. On your payment. So that's one. Yes. Now the other, then... It gets a bit trickier if you are making some structural improvements to your home. So okay. you spoke, Joe, about maybe adding on a sec, uh, um, another room. Yes. Perhaps extending out the back. Perhaps you're going to close in what might be an outdoor deck area. Mm-hmm. So once you're doing that, you're talking about making some structural improvements to your home. Okay. You require council approval. You require plans and specifications. In that case, it's a little bit trickier with yes. the bank. Still doable. Something that is going to involve some structural change will likely add value to your property. Mm-hmm. So in that case, when you're applying for finance, what the lenders will probably do is get a, a bank valuer to come out and say, today your property's worth X, yep. but on completion of these renovations and having a look at the plans and the specifications, your the value of your property will improve by X amount of dollars when it's on completion. Okay. When you're doing it that way, the bank is going to control the release of funds. Right. So you've got the builder puts the roof on, the bank will pay the builder for the roof. The builder finishes the walls or completes the walls, then the bank will, um, or the lender will then finance that Mm. up until the point of on completion. So they're usually for bigger, oftentimes they're for bigger jobs that Mm. might go exceed the $100,000 mark, but it's added value to your property. Mm. Mm. And again, you're probably going to enjoy a much better interest rate than what you're paying now. So Therese, you wouldn't really have the option to be an owner builder in that situation, would you? Uh, not if you were making structural renovations, no. And can I let you in on a secret, mm-hmm. Tara? The lenders hate owner-builders. Don't they ever? With a passion. <laughs> okay. So, so if you do want to be an owner-builder for a project, Teresa, am I right in assuming the best way to fund something like that is just to have the cash yeah, handy? The- Yes, correct. Mm. So, and maybe what you might even do if you've got equity in your home. Mm. So you've owned a home at the moment on Mm. the peninsula. Mm. If you've owned your home for five years, Mm. you've probably amassed quite a bit of equity and you're probably just through capital growth. So Mm. if that was the case, I would probably ask the bank to increase Mm. my loan and just give me some cash Mm. and then maybe sneakily behind their back. Mm. <laughs> just project manage that. Well, you could go to Vegas, or you could, yeah, you could go to Vegas, or you could build your office. Could, you could, <laughs> or you could, could do both. At the casino, Tara. <laughs> and then who knows? Sky's the limit. <laughs> now, this or is not, not financial advice. Not, no, no, yeah. no, definitely a massive disclaimer there. We're, we're Poor Joe's now, having we're kittens. Yes, I, I am. I'm. I, I think I can see the compliance person <laughs> knocking on the door of the studio, waggling their this finger. This is all very unofficial and for illustrative purposes only. <laughs> yes, thank you. We are not at all suggesting you gamble your life. No, 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 no. No, but listen so, to our show. Yes, do. <laughs> so it sounds like there's a couple of a couple of options there. Yeah, Therese, where would someone how where would someone start? Who would someone go to? to figure out which option is best for them. 
And look, and Joe, not because I mentored your uh, amazing award-winning husband, but um, <laughs> thanks for the no plug. plug there. But seriously, I think if you were looking at this, if mm. anybody that's listening out there, I would absolutely go and see a mortgage broker. Yeah, there have been seriously so many changes to credit policy and lending mm. policy. There are rates out there through second-tier banks and regional banks that are significantly and dramatically lower than a lot of your traditional major banks. Yes. Um, so, and also different policies around how much cash can I, mm. can I take out mm. with, you know, between lenders. So at the, this point in time, I would definitely see, go and see a broker. They've got like 40 different lend- lenders. Hmm. many different products yeah and they'll no doubt save you a lot of money and take away the stress and pain yeah if people want to connect with you and see what you're up to because you have a absolutely fabulous instagram and facebook page even if you're not interested in mortgage brokering just it's just it's just interest i mean i love your instagram and your facebook page where can people find you thank you i'm on alphabroker.com.au you'll also find me on facebook on instagram not at all distracting track. Welcome back to the Dream Home Movement. You're here with Joe, Tara, Therese, and another Joe, Joe Johnson. And that is who we are going to chat with now. Now, Joe Johnson, aka the content coach, helps small business owners to more effectively market their business by telling stories. Now, story um, storytelling has been Joe's thing for many years. And before she started the content coaching business, which is based here on the peninsula seven years ago, she worked for realestate.com.au. So a really relevant guest to have on the show. You, you lived and breathed real estate for quite a while. But what we're here to chat to Joe about today is the process of building her own workspace from home. And as I mentioned before, there are some amazing photos on our Instagram and our Facebook page of that gorgeous, would you call it a writer's studio, Joe? How would, what do it, you call it? I call it the content studio. The content yes. studio. Can it, can it yeah. be a writer's den? A writer's den. Yes, that sounds a bit like it should be sort of clad in, I don't know, timbers. Yes. Stuff in a, can it be? Can it be? <laughs> and it's, well, this is kind of the coastal version because it's yes. white tim- whitewashed timber floors and Beautiful. it's all white and clean with touches of blue and rose gold. So it is a writer's den. Oh, that sounds but great. But I do, like boring things like accounting and stuff in there as yeah. well. <laughs> what was it that made you want to work still around so, so close to home? Yeah, I'm a real animal person. And yes. at the time we had two cats and a dog. Aww. And two, the dog and one cat's passed on, unfortunately. Yeah. But I very much get energy from my garden and from right. my animals. And so I wanted to be amongst that. Yes. Um, I love people, but sometimes I like animals more, yeah. <laughs> depending on the day. And um, also, you know, quite frankly, it just made more financial sense Yes. to do that, to actually, you know, make one of our spaces that was really not being used well, mm. make it an asset of, of the business mm. and of the home. Yeah, it just made more sense to me. I'd done a lot of co-working. Yes. Over time. And obviously I'd worked in fabulous offices in the city mm. and Richmond and South Yarra and all these sorts of places. But I really wanted to create something that was mine too. Yeah. So that was probably the second key driver apart from just being at home mm. and that 
that energy being good for me, but not in the home. The Yeah, just being able to create my own space was a really cool exercise in what do I want my business to be looking like? How do I want it to be perceived and have all of my vision and my purpose and my mission and my strategy all of that actually come out in a physical manner, which I is love my studio. So. I love that because from the photos, it looks, it's hard to explain, but it looks exactly how you would expect it to look. It looks like your brand or it looks like the good. feeling of your, your business. Oh, great. How did you capture that? <laughs> I guess I know my brand really well. Yeah. And actually I was talking to some guys today at the Waterman Business Center because I'm, I'm on a panel there for a startup business program. Okay. And we were talking about this exact thing about, you know, what is your strategy and, and, um, how does that, how does that encapsulate your vision and your mission? Mm. And it's both an external thing and an internal thing and it's a physical thing and it's a language thing and it's a mannerism thing so right from when you step on stage if you're doing a speaking gig the way that you look and present has to be the same as the way your office feels has to be the same as your facebook page you know facebook page appears the same as your instagram all of that stuff has to marry together but unless you know what that is it's going to be really hard to make that congruent Mm. so I'm all about heritage and therefore vintage and legacy and just really nice, gentle coastal energy, yes. but also really sort of smart and yes. um, not necessarily me, but, you know, smart business mm. and the way that you do things, you know, I've got this really clear feeling and I, I think that that space does actually really encapsulate that. Can you tell us about the process involved mm. in creating this studio? Because it's it's separate to the house, so yes. it's yeah. Yes. So it's a color bond garage, like it's an L shape, okay. and it was really, I guess, it's kind of a one and a half size. So. Yep. You couldn't fit two cars in it. You probably put a boat and then a whole bunch of other stuff. And we literally just had it as a, a junky storage shed and it just drove me bananas because we've got another two car carport plus another room, which is the man room, which is where all the gardening stuff yes. is and all that. So we really didn't need it. We were just storing excess stuff as you do. Yes. And so it was the shell and everything was there. The struts were all raw. There's no, no walls or anything and just a concrete slab, but it was perfect. And it had a roller door on it. So yanked the roller door off and just went, what are we going to do with this? Mm. So Matt, a really good friend of mine who I'd done, I'd met when I was um, doing some contract work in Mount Eliza, her husband had just started his own building business. He'd been working for someone else and got ticked off and decided to do his own thing. Mr. Renovations on Instagram is his name. That's okay. Mick- <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll play for him. Play. Yeah. We'll uh, Mick Richardson is his name. Mad Irishman. Gorgeous. And he came around and I, I, I said, look, I've got this vision for this place. What do you reckon? Can we do it? Mm. And it was one of his first solo gigs. So we kind of worked together to yeah. create this space and he said what was possible I said what I wanted and it uh slowly but surely we've we laid the floor out we put walls in but I've kept some of the original struts so they're coming out of the walls wow they were this sort of russety 
uh, metal and I've painted them in the in this sort of blue, this sea green blue, but I wanted to keep some of them popping out of the walls, which was probably Mick's biggest nightmare. <laughs> it was a whole lot easier to just plaster over top, but for two reasons, because they, they were on an angle. So if we'd plastered right over the top, we would have lost quite a bit of space. But secondly, I wanted to maintain the history of the yeah. place. I wanted that sort of that vintage thing. I wanted people to be able to go, oh, so that's what's underneath all here. So that was a really cool process and it had to happen on uh, on the roof too because the um, the L part of the, the building has actually got a slanted roof mm-hmm. and that's where I've actually put a bed. Okay. So that's a space where you can just sort of chill out. When mum and dad come over, they don't have to be in the spare bed in the house. They Great. can have their own space. And I've got a, a little sort of mini bathroom in there. So I've got sink and all that sort of stuff and a toilet and then four metres of desk which was my big thing. I needed to be able to spread out because that's kind of the way I work. It's a fair um, size desk. It is. Yeah, generous desk. Yeah, it's fantastic. Mm. But it also means I've got three, it can be converted into sort of three specific workstations. Mm. So if I have clients who come, they're really excited and we've organized, like prearranged it, they'll stay mm. and do some work there. And it's much more productive for them it's really cool for me we put tunes on so i've got three dedicated spaces you know with plugs and everything all in the right spot but most of the time it's just me with my stuff everywhere over four meters i think that's a really good suggestion joe about if you're lacking one room like if you if you're tossing up between a guest room and an office they can quite often quite work well quite well together because when you do have guests are you really working yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right yeah so yeah. um yeah if, if yeah that you can combine the rooms i've seen really cool um you can even get these i think they're called easy beds or yes, something that but come they, out of the wall that's right they yeah. come out of the wall and when they're upright they even sometimes have a built-in desk to yes. them so oh um, that's yeah clever. yeah they're great for really tiny little spaces i think yeah. they were developed in europe Yeah, you know, really tiny apartments. When people have apartments, absolutely. But there's no reason it can't be used as your your, Mm. um, office come guest bedroom. Yeah. Mm. Well, the nice thing about ours too, we're very lucky, I guess, that the space, so when you walk in, you don't see the bed. So none of my clients would see the bed because it's in the L. Mm. Right. So you walk in and to all intents and purpose, it's just the office and that's sort of an open doorway we toyed with the door but then it makes the space feel tight yes so yeah so you don't see that which is really nice but it is a great place and i tell you if i've pulled an all-nighter doing work i may have once or twice had a little <laughs> afternoon nap on it <laughs> good spot for my cat to hang yeah. out and yeah I, the other we did muck around to start with with a sofa bed in there too so mm. it's just another couch and lounge space for for the kids as they grow so yeah, very practical ideas there. Yeah. Absolutely. Tell me, if you were to do it again, would you do it exactly the same way as an owner builder? Uh, do- yeah, good question. Yes, I probably would. I mean, I know some things now that would shortcut, I yes. suppose, what we did last time. The first thing being that don't start the build like four weeks before Christmas. <laughs> no, that, that, that is a rookie error. Kind of rookie error, yeah. absolutely. And because I was working with one builder, he who was quite new to his business, yes, he was pulling in all the different trades, of course. Yes. And for a little while there, we had like the whole United Kingdom. So we had an Englishman, an Irishman, a Scottishman and a Welshman. It oh, was wow. kind of bizarre. And they're all in their gorgeous accents were trying to coordinate things. But I think... 
he, because he was sort of new to what he was doing too, there was, you know, yes. he was feeling his way with those guys. So they were, weren't necessarily um, tested trades for him. Yep. Well, he'd worked with each of them, I think, on different in different capacities, but uh, not all together as a team. So yep. with him at the helm. So that was something that was new and occasionally that fell apart. Yep. Um, and I probably didn't get on top of that early enough. So I can be really, really firm when yeah. I need to be, but I was probably a little bit nice. Cause Cause I, it's really, not, it's not a passive thing being an owner builder at all, is it's it? It's not. No, it's, not. it's absolutely not. You do have to take charge of it because you yes. are the project manager. You are the everything. Absolutely. That, yeah, yeah you have to fill in all the gaps, yeah. don't you? And look, just one really small example, but I had to go out and do something, I think had a meeting or something where that came back and even though I'd clearly drawn up where the PowerPoints were supposed to go, no, no. they went in different spots. So yep. that was really frustrating because not all of them but a couple of them and so that meant... Did you that- draw it on the wall? Uh, yes, they'd been drawn on the wall as well. Yeah, with chalk. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, There's yep. no grey about that, is no. there? No. <laughs> it's no. like there. No. That's right. <laughs> I know. I think he thought it was the corner of a shelf or something. So oh, okay. Anyway. So that was a pain, which meant, yes. you know, I had to make a point, a, a choice at that point. Do I just live with it and take a deep breath or do I say, look, really, this needs yeah. to be shifted, but then that means getting the plaster back. And I, I, I think, yeah, I think as an, as an owner builder, that's always the toss up of if you get them to rectify it, are they going to cause more problems in the process? Yes. yes. So, yeah. And, and, you know, more money and all that because they can argue that it wasn't hmm. clear or whatever. Yep. Um, but I couldn't sit on them 24-7. No. But I was around a lot and yeah. I probably would make sure that I was never away at the point yeah. where there was a new guy coming in. So the, this was the Sparky who'd just arrived on on site, I suppose. So yeah, that was probably something I wouldn't, yeah. I, I'd be a bit more mindful of next time. But I certainly, I mean, we, we took a little bit out of the mortgage, just refinanced as we were talking yep. about before. Mm-hmm. Therese was talking about the different options. Um, because it was an existing structure, we were pretty lucky. We didn't have to go down the permit route and all that sort of thing. Mm. Um, but it was a, a reasonable fit out. It wasn't mm. just sticking in a, in a desk and a toilet. Mm. So we had to refinance, but I did that, um, definitely in a measured way. And it meant that I then had the cash to, mm. to be able to say, Hey, we can do a better deal here. I went mm. and picked up flooring and things myself, you know, and got that at an auction place. And so I played around a little bit with it, but having that cash up front, made a big difference Mm. um it's an interesting question and and when we come when we talk about owner builders or Mm. even just managing a project like that so how did you um determine the cash that you needed to get or how did you quote up the job you have not done it before you yeah how did you do that it was that was actually really challenging but what i did was i i sat with mick to start with and said look how much is your piece going to be Mm -hmm. how much can you estimate Mm -hmm. the other guys given like i was really clear Mm. about what i wanted and there was no oh suddenly we'll put a balcony or a second story on like there was nothing that was going to really change things Scope um, did not change, yep. Yeah, so I, I was really clear on the scope and then I got him to do his best estimate hmm. um, and then I just added another 10%. Yep. I was <laughs> going to say, say, did you add something? Yeah, I, I added another yep. 10% as a buffer yep. Um, yep. and that was probably around about right. Mm. Um, we were really close. Mm. I, I did have some cash in the business already and so for some of the 
less concrete things. So some of the furniture and that sort of stuff, mm. I bought that, you know, mm. through the business. Through the yes. business. Yes. Mm. So that that is a really great point that Joe has made. Builders are very good at costing things up, but they're optimistic by nature they have to be otherwise why would you have to be very optimistic to take these projects on don't you because so they're optimistic by nature and um they sometimes under under cost things yeah Yeah, to allow yourself a margin for error 10 percent, depending on the size of the project if you're talking in the hundreds of thousands it's maybe even considered the 20,000 sorry the 20 percent be more than 20,000 <laughs> that that's that's a very important piece of the puzzle, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. absolutely, mm. absolutely. Another really good thing that you're saying in costing it up, we've got a great resource now in Building Dreams that people are putting the questions up and asking other people. So, Building Dreams is a Facebook group that I run, which is a peer-to-peer renovation and building community, and we're based locally on the Mornington Peninsula. So, every all the information and all the trades on there are all local. So if there is something that you're curious about how much it would cost, you're more than welcome to post it on the group, on the Facebook group, and you'll get a great broad section of answers. Mm. So that will give you a really, really good idea. One builder will say X, another builder will say Y, one person who's built it themselves will say another thing. So when you look at all the answers, you do get a very clear idea of where you may sit. Yeah, Yeah, it's really important to get um, a couple of quotes on these sorts of things. I, I think remember so. when we built a, a rebuilt our deck and it's a sizable deck and it's mm. got a structured roof and sliding that's like an outdoor room really. Yep. We had three quotes for that and they were seventy thousand dollars apart. Yeah, that's like that's just silly. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, no no no. Definitely three mm. quotes, probably five really, mm. depending on the complexity mm. of the project. Yeah, um, it's a great group, a mm. great resource. It is. It's it? yeah, if you want to shortcut things, put it up there just get a feel especially if for instance you're going to buy a house and you're wondering to yourself well I only want this house if I can put a pool in the backyard how much is that going to cost me and then you can ask a cross section of people who've actually done it in your area so we're going to ask you our signature question if we can (gasps) (laughs) tell us what does the term dream home mean to you very very aspirational I think it is somewhere regardless of size location or fit out it's somewhere that feels comfortable for you that feels um, welcoming that feels warm that you know regardless as I said of where it is or what's inside it um, you know it just feels like home Um, it could be tiny it could be a tiny house in the middle of the bush or it could be a seven-bedroom mansion with three generations in it. I think there's, for me, it's about having my family and my animals in a safe environment, a space where I can have all my stuff because I'm a little bit of a stuff person. <laughs> <laughs> Not a hoarder, but I do like things. Yes. And I like really nice furniture and I like soft furnishings. So I have a very comfortable Cozy. Like a den. Like a den. With a cat. But at at the moment, with two young kids under 10, it's still got to be practical too. So it's got to be floorboards that I can sweep out. Oh, that sounds gorgeous. So thank you so much for joining us, Joe. If people are looking to get hold of the content coach, how do we get hold of you? Thecontentcoach.com.au is my website and Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn. I am the content coach. Oh, fabulous. Well, thank you. Joe, that was really a lot of information and really worthwhile.
are heading into Market Watch. Hooray. Tara, the spotlight <laughs> is going to be firmly on you. What's happening? Well, we're talking today about flipping property on the Mornington Peninsula, which is a very um, interesting topic because, well, a lot of us are doing it down this end of the world. Now, an interesting article has just come out on realestate.com.au by Ming Hao Lim, and he was saying that um, vendors are t- the top ma- profit makers in um, Melbourne on the Mornington Peninsula. Okay. So if you've flipped a property on the Mornington Peninsula in the last two years, there is a 98.2% that you have actually made a profit on it. Wow. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> so, it's like a money-back guarantee. Absolutely. Yeah. It's been very hard to lose. <laughs> I mean, we've been going through a lot of really good growth as well. Mm. So um, even if you've made a few not-so-great decisions with your flip, with capital growth, it can quite often um, make things all work out in the mix. So, yeah, that's very interesting to know. that The type of properties that are on the peninsula are perfect flip projects. I mean, that's what brought me to the peninsula is me and my husband really love 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 houses and really if we, oh, no. I never would have picked that up <laughs> but there's some really great ones to choose from and they're unique to the rest of Melbourne they're um you know architecturally interesting and they've they're always they've always been that little bit more adventurous than what you'd find in the rest of Melbourne because this is traditionally a holiday area so people are a little bit more adventurous with their homes and you know when you when you do love building beautiful houses having a beautiful place to have them in is part of of, you know, the dream home picture. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So it's a fantastic place to p- flip properties. A good example is one in Mount Eliza, 27 Barham Street. It um, was bought for $880,000 mm-hmm. and two years later was sold for $1.375 million. Holy moly. Yeah. So that's a <laughs> Sorry, profit. what was that time... So it, within two years, within so they bought years. it for eight hundred and eighty thousand dollars, and I had a look. It wasn't a wreck of a house; it was actually quite reasonable. But it was zhuzhed up and made a little bit more fabulous, and put back on the market for one point three seven five. Boom! So yeah, so that, that's a, nearly a four hundred thousand dollar difference. Obviously, renovations cost money to do, but even so, there, there's certainly good margin for making profit in there. And you just have to be very mindful when you are taking on a flip project about who you're going to sell it to. So let's say you're doing something in Mornington, close to the village, anything close to a village, the probably the most wealthiest buyers are going to be retirees and single levels really what they love. They want low maintenance, single level, everything thought of, very little they have to do to the garden, just everything done. So that's that's what the retirees really like. If you're looking at something that's a little bit more sprawling, a little bit bigger for a family, the non-negotiables are four bedrooms plus a study, which is quite relevant with the subject today. So four bedrooms plus a study and ideally a pool or water views. So it's not a big ask, is it? <laughs> not at all. Therese, Joe, thank you so much for coming into the studio tonight. We really appreciate it. As always, you're fabulous. And so are you. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate you tuning in and hanging out with us. Good luck with your dream home, your own dream home projects. And we will catch you next Thursday or any day of your choosing on iTunes. Thanks. Bye. We're out. And that was a dramatic closing, then nothing happened. We are now actually out. Thanks for joining us on the Dream Home Movement. (laughs) Wishing you all the best in your projects this week. 
We would love to chat and hear what you're up to, so please say hi on Facebook and Instagram. We look forward to hanging out with you next week. Catch you soon.